Paul's going to tell you that your sin, my sin, can hinder the work of God in the church. God wants to work in the church. But many times God cannot work because of all the leaven that is found in the church of Jesus Christ. It's not just one person. It's many people that have sin in their lives. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. It's good to have you with us today for our continuing series in 1 Corinthians. Roll will challenge us to beware of following the world's lax approach to sin, instead setting ourselves apart as faithful representatives of God's holiness. Stay with us to see that you can show others Christ's unconditional love while remaining uncompromising in your commitment to God. Here's Raul Reese with today's lesson, Church Discipline. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the fifth chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians tonight. But uh, tonight we're going to be dealing with a subject and a topic in the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians that is much needed in the church tonight. And that is concerning church discipline. How do you discipline people that are living lives of sin in the church? Paul the Apostle is writing to the Corinthian church. And the church of Corinth was not only a divided church, but also it was a disgraced church. It had many problems. There was sin in the assembly. And sad to say that this sin was affecting everybody. And everybody knew who was in sin. And they were doing nothing about it. That's the tragedy of the church of Corinth. Now we know that no church is perfect, but human imperfection must never be an excuse for sin, ever. We should never confuse imperfection for sin, because sin damages a church. And yet, at the same time, just as a parent disciplines his children, so must God discipline his children. Especially if they are living a life of sin. But Paul here is going to be dealing not with non-believers. He's dealing with believers. Those that have come to a personal knowledge in Jesus Christ. Look how he begins the letter now. Chapter 5 verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Everybody knows that in the church there are people that are sexually active. Everybody knows about it. But nobody is doing anything about it. Here in the city of Corinth, in the church of Corinth, there was literally a woman that was living together with her son-in-law and the relationship was in sensuous relationship. They were in incest. In that relationship, they were fornicating. And the church knew it. And every Sunday morning, they would show up to church. And nobody would say anything. The church was allowing sin into the church. 
Paul's going to tell you that your sin, my sin, can hinder the work of God in the church. God wants to work in the church. But many times God cannot work because of all the leaven that is found in the church of Jesus Christ. It's not just one person. It's many people that have sin in their lives. And it seems that here in this church of Corinth, there were those people, they were trying to worship God. And it's incredible because Paul rebukes the people and he rebukes the pastor. Why in the world didn't the pastor rebuke those that he knew they were in sin? Why didn't they do something about it? Look what he says. This is pretty amazing. Verse 1 again. He says, It is actually, or reported, or common knowledge, that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality, as is not even named among the heathens, that a man has his father's wife. Notice that. His father's wife. Some guy came into the church, and what did he do? He picked up on his stepmother. And they were living together in sexual sin, and everybody knew it. And nobody, nobody allowed themselves to go up to that person and say, Brother, the Bible says that you are living a life of sin, and you're bringing sin into the church, and God cannot move if you're here in the church, and if you don't repent, then what's going to happen? God cannot bless Now I know some of you are thinking, well, what do you do? He's going to tell us in a moment what to do. Verse 2, look what he says. He says, and you are puffed up or you're arrogant, proudful, and have not rather repent or be grieved or mourn that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Why didn't you confront him? He should be what? Kicked out of the church. Why? Because he's bringing sin into the church. You notice what Paul said? Such a thing should never happen. That person should not be allowed to fellowship in the church, especially if he or she has not repented and they don't want to repent. They should not be in the church. They're defiling the house of God. They're defiling themselves. Because the sin is against your own body. Your body has become now the most holy place where God is living. And when you get together with a woman or a man. And you join together each other intimately in a sexual encounter. You're both becoming one with each other. And what happens? The temple of God is defiled. Which temple you are. The temple of God. And what happens to the Holy Spirit? You grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And God can bless you. He won't bless you until you repent. But look what else he says. This is pretty interesting. About taking away that person away from you. Verse 3. For I indeed as absent in the body but present in the spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. Paul wasn't there, but he heard about it. And Paul is writing a letter to them saying, Hey, what is the matter with you, pastor? What is the matter with you, elders? What is the matter with you, deacons? What is the matter with you people that are sitting in the church? Why haven't you done something about this problem? 
Paul is upset because the house of God is being defiled. Verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, notice this, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now Paul gives you instruction what to do. If you have a person in the church and you know that they're living together in fornication. Or if you know of a person that is married and is in adultery. And you don't say anything. God will hold you responsible. Because you're keeping quiet and you're allowing sin into the church. And you're allowing Satan to destroy people in the house of God. You're arrogant. You're proudful, he says. Now when he talks about delivering such a one to Satan, it doesn't mean that person becomes demon-possessed. That person is a Christian. But what he's actually talking about here, he's excommunicated from the church. He's not allowed to fellowship here. Why? Until he repents. Because as long as you leave him in the church and you're allowing him to fellowship and to continue in that sin, it's going to infect and affect other people in the church. And the church will be known as what? As a compromising church, a carnal church. Nothing spiritual about that. And if you allow fornication, then you allow drugs and you allow alcohol and you allow many other sins into the church. And you can't do that. Paul says, if you know such a person in your midst that are living together with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or they're in an adulterous relationship or they're drinking or they're in drugs, whatever the case may be, he says, hey, you need to do what you need to tell them they are wrong. Because if not, and if they don't want to repent, Such person then needs to be what? Excommunicated from the church. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 for a variety of resources to help grow your faith. Rawl also shares practical biblical wisdom on his YouTube program, Straight Talk, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. West Coast time. Now let's return to the final part of today's lesson, Church Discipline. Look what he says. Deliver such a one to Satan. For what? For the destruction of the flesh, not the soul, not the spirit. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. That his spirit or her spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe before they die, they'll repent. Maybe. Or maybe before they ever get to die. With enough time, they repent and they can go back to serving the Lord and worshiping God. You see? That's why we deliver such a person to Satan. Why? So that Satan can beat him up. Satan can have a field with him to bring him to repentance. God will use Satan to bring them to repentance. But as long as you and I support them, how can God then work in their lives? He can't. They feel comfortable. They don't feel any conviction. 
because they're accepted. And Paul says we cannot accept such people. They live in sexual sin or drunks or alcoholics or drug addicts or liars. And he goes on and on. He'll tell you in a moment. It's a problem within the church of Jesus Christ today. We've had them come in to get married, like I told you, and they'll say, well, we've been coming here for two years, and we've been living together for two years, and now we want to get married. Man, where's the conviction? The conviction comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. And because I love you, I want to share with you, and I want to tell you as a friend, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And then Paul's going to tell you in a moment that if you know a person that is living in a life of sexual sin, he says, don't even go out to lunch or dinner or breakfast with them. Don't even associate with them. Why? Because you support them when you're with them. People think you're supporting them. Look what he says. Verse 5 again. He says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And notice what he's saying here. He says, one little sin. One little sin. Will do what? Will bring infection to the whole church. Now you can see why the power of the Holy Spirit in every church is not the way it should be. Because if I have a sin, and you have a sin, and you multiply that by 15,000 people, imagine how many people are in sin. And that's in the house of God. Leaven is a classical picture of sin in the Old Testament, and also in the New Testament. Look what else he says in verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven. What do you mean? Get rid of sin. And you'll be okay. Repent. Confess. Receive forgiveness. Receive cleansing. God will restore you. God will what? Use you again. The purpose of the church is never to destroy. It's always to restore people back into fellowship with God. That's part of the excommunication. I'm sorry, but you can't fellowship with us here until you repent. Not because we hate you, but because we love you. You see? That's what he says. Very important lesson for the church today. Especially in the days that we're living today. Look what he says again, verse 7. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. He says, don't you get it? Look what Jesus Christ did for you. He died for your sins. He cleansed you. He washed you with His own blood. He was our Passover. That cleansed us and washed us from our old life. And gave us a new life in Jesus Christ. When? When we came to repentance and accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That's what God desires of the church. Look what else he says, verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with all leaven. Notice, you're going to be a Christian? Don't use all leaven, don't be in sin. Nor with the leaven of malice. Or wickedness. And the word malice here is in, in reference to, a, uh, to an effort to be unjust to your neighbor. 
or to be mean or to be deliberately viceful against people. Or wickedness is the performance of evil with persisting and a delightful thing where you're enjoying being evil to other people and being evil in your sin. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Notice that. Let us be true to the word of God. Let us be true to God. Then verse 9. Look what he says. I wrote to you in my epistle. Not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Don't fellowship with fornicators. Notice that. Not only Paul here says that. Galatians uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at it for a moment. Verse, uh, verses 9 through 11 of 1 Corinthians. He really hits the issue tremendously. In verse 9 through 11, this is what Paul says. Don't you know that those who do wrong will have no share in the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who are idol worshipers, adulterers, and prostitutes, and homosexuals, and thieves, and greedy people, drunkards, abusers, and swindlers, none of these will have a share in the kingdom of God. Notice what he said. None will have their share in the kingdom of God. And remember, he's talking to what? Believers, not to the unbelievers. He's talking to believers. You will have no part in the kingdom of God if you continue to be in sin. You cannot get into the kingdom of God if you're a fornicator or a drunkard or an adulterer, idolater, whatever that he's talked about here. You can't. It's an impossibility. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. He says, so I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be living or doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from the Holy Spirit's wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And your choices are never free from the conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to be what? To the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasures, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feelings that everyone is wrong except those, notice, in your own little groups. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kind of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God, speaking to Christians. And you find that in the church today. Look again at 1 Corinthians now. Verse 9 again. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. Why? Because a non-believer could care less. Hey, they're not children of God. They live like that. That's their lives. Yet look what he says. 
I did not certainly mean the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. That means you would have to stay home and you couldn't go anywhere. Because there's sin everywhere. You see? You work with sinful people. People that don't know Christ. You go to school with people that don't know Christ. You get on a plane, there are people that don't know Christ. You see? You can't be totally separated from everybody. But verse 11, watch what he says. But now... I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or a Christian. Underline that. So that we don't confuse it. Because people come up and say, well, this is not for Christians. It's for Christians. He tells you specifically there. Directly. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone who calls himself a Christian. Who is sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or extortioner. No, don't even eat with such a person. Don't even fellowship with such a person. Notice what he says. When he says sexual immoral, it's fornication, sexual sins. When he talks about covetousness, those who want what somebody else has, greed, And then when he talks about those that are idolaters, those that worship their own little gods. And then he talks about a reviler, one who uses abusive language against another person. And then a drunkard, excessive indulgence of alcohol and getting drunk sociably. An extortioner, those who do what? Who actually rip off people financially. An extortioner. Not even eat with such a person. The word fellowship here is eating together. Asking a person to go to lunch or breakfast or dinner. No, don't even go over their houses. Why? Because then you're saying it's okay what they're doing. Look at verse 12. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? The non-believers. Do you not judge those who are inside? Hey, how can we judge the world when we can even judge the church? Think about that. Those that are in the church that are living sinful lives in the church. Paul says, you better stop what you're doing. Watch what he says. But those who are outside, look what he says, God judges. You see? God's going to judge them. Therefore, Because of this, put away from yourselves that evil person. Notice that. Put him away. Don't have nothing to do with that person until they repent of their sin. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review today's teaching, just call us at 800-634-9165 and we'll send you an unedited copy for a donation of $5 or more. Just ask for Roll's message titled, Church Discipline. We understand it can be extremely difficult and even awkward to separate yourself from your fellow believers who are willfully living in sin. That's why we'd like to tell you about a CD study with insight into what it looks like to balance the tightrope as a compassionate yet uncompromising representative of Christ. Titled Walking Righteously, Rawls' four-part audio series will spur you on in making the daily choice to honor the Lord's perfect will. 
you'll see that when you commit to holiness, God will bless your life and open doors of opportunity for you to bless others with His truth. Contact us today to order Rawls' four-CD study titled, Walking Righteously. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165, and we'll send you this audio pack for a gift of $19 or more. That's 800-634-9165. Or write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Well, this is a listener-supported ministry, and your generous gifts keep us on the air. Every contribution is tax-deductible. Join us again next time as we continue our verse-by-verse journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll explore the Apostle Paul's practical instructions for settling disputes in a way that's loving and honoring to God. Here's Raul once again with a final word from today's program. May God help us to be real brothers and sisters in the Lord in sharing with people even in this church that we might know that are living together in sexual sin before marriage or maybe adultery, maybe even drinking or drugs or whatever else may be, so that we can keep the church of Jesus Christ pure. Why? Because we want God to use our church. We want God to use us to accomplish His purposes and His will, especially in these last days. Surely we don't want the judgment of God upon this church or upon any one of us. That we want to repent and we want to do what is right in the presence of God. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.